podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide. Gonna find you and take it slowly. Ready or not, here I come, you can't hide. Gonna find you. This is Brandon Phoenix, aka I Also Hate Pit. You are now joining the Raspy Voice Kids for another podcast. I'm here with my brother. Jeremy JN Phoenix, and you know what time it is. It's time to boss up. So let's go. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it popping. Jeremy, this girl named Slick Sister on Twitter, at Slick Sister, said, had this argument in a group chat, but I want to know the truth. Isn't it very tacky for somebody to eat the... F- oh, wait, we didn't even do the whole thing. What? This is pop culture. Oh, um, I forgot to hit him with the pop, 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 pop. All right, back to Slick Sister. I was wondering what you was talking about. Yeah, we missed it, but back to Slick Sister. Slick Sister said, had this argument in a group chat, but I want to know the truth. Isn't it, I think it's funny she assumes, but she says, isn't it very tacky for somebody to eat the free bread as soon as you get it? Yeah, no, no, no. You know what's tacky is to have the name Slick Sister, okay? (laughs) That's what's tacky. (laughs) While we talking about what's tacky and what's not. Ain't that the pot, okay? (laughs) So she had a poll. She put a poll up, and it got 25,537 votes, Jay. Wow. What do you think the percentages broke down to? Do you think people said, yes, it is tacky, or people said, no, it's not? I really, really hope it was 80 to 20. 80 to Uh, 20, which way? That it's not tacky. 80 to 20 is what you wish for? I would hope people, uh, yeah, I, I I I got good, strong feelings about this. Uh, so I would hope most reasonable people. We know most people aren't reasonable, but I'm hoping that somehow it breaks 80-20 on this. 97.3% of the people said, no, it is not tacky. There you go. It's not tacky at all. What I does she it- want us to wait on is what I want to know. What are we waiting on? The what bread's we- free. It comes out. What are we waiting on? What do you go to a restaurant for? Exactly. You go because you're hungry. You go because you need some food. So when you get there and the bread comes out, I can understand not diving in first. I can understand offering somebody else, hey, would you like a piece yes, of bread? Yes. Oh, that's some that's some etiquette for you. But talk about not eating it when it first Brandon, let me ask you a question. <laughs> When's the best time to eat bread? When it's hot. When it's hot. When it comes out the oven, that's the best when it's, you know, you feel that warmth off of it. Well, you want us to wait 20 minutes till it gets cold? Starts getting hard? Well, who is this? Wait, I don't get it. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't get it either. Maybe she's one of these like super, you know, them people who really don't have no class, but they try to act like they bougie. Exactly. Ain't never been nowhere, but try to act like they've been somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's what it feels like. Like like you just try a little too hard. Don't eat the bread when it comes out. All right. No, that's fine. If that's the way you want to do it, live your life. That's fine. Me, I'm going to have me a nice piece of bread. Okay. I honestly just don't even know what she's talking about. I don't know what she's talking about. I honestly don't get where she's even coming from. Now, what you said is the only thing I could think that maybe might possibly excuse her ignorance is if she's saying that you should offer it to someone else first. 
That's the only thing. But that's not what she said. She said you shouldn't eat it right away. Like, I don't know if she's saying you should let it cool. I'm not saying if you should just not be so third, like so hungry, like that you're starving for it. I don't know what she's trying to say. It don't make no sense to me. That's the part I don't get. I don't get what she's trying to go with it. No, but, but here's the thing I learned a long time ago. You can't be rational with crazy. There's a reason right. why it's called crazy, because it doesn't make any sense. So we can rationalize everything we want, but this girl's clearly out of her mind. Talk about we need to wait to eat the bread. You lost your mind, please. But you know what? That's one part of etiquette when you go out to eat. There's other things that I, I do think that you should do or you shouldn't do if you're at a restaurant. You know what I mean? Just so you're not that that person. That um, What? I actually want to talk more about bread, by the way. All right. I'll get into it. All right, Jay. You were trying to wrap it up. But what I was saying was, why don't we talk about bread? Like, since we're talking about bread and getting to the bread, everybody usually talks about money when they say we get into this bread. We talking about real bread. Who has the best bread at these restaurants? I won't say fast food, but these chain restaurants, like these uh, Red Lobster, Olive Garden. uh, Regular, yeah. Texas Roadhouse, the regular, regular chains. Um, I get, you know what, I have a clear cut number one. I think I my number, one, number is, one too. I think my number one is your number one, but let's name some of the other places that are really good. Well, um, I'll say I love, I love Outback Steakhouse, that brown bread that they have. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan. I like, I like it. I'll eat it, but I, that comes up last for me. Like that, that got last, last out of all of them, out of a lot of them, you know, I just, I just don't, I don't know. Like, it doesn't move me. Like, I'll eat it, and it's decent, but it's nothing like I go there for. A place like Texas Roadhouse that has that cinnamon butter? Yes. That junk is good. You yeah, know we're not good. talking about the cinnamon, just the bread. But the cinnamon butter goes with the bread, Brandon. It's a, it's a, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. When I eat the bread, the, that cinnamon butter is part of it, and that is high on the list. You got one that's high on the list? So, wait. Sweethigh.com. Uh, let me see. From April 27, 2018, sweethigh.com is with you. They rank Texas Roadhouse Rolls as number one. Okay, they're, they're up there. They're not number one, but for me, they're up there. They're up there, but they're not number one for me either. Who's your number two? Um, I don't know. Texas Roadhouse may be number two. I also, I will say, I want to give a shout out to Bob Evans and Golden Corral because both of them have the same style buns <laughs> you know same style yeah. bread um they're just soft and kind of uh like not doughy you know not yeah yeah not, yeah not firm at all but i i think me personally i love that i love that and i think bob evans and golden corral have almost the same type of bread and it's just good it's just really good and they get no love on sweet high's list but it's but i'm with you i think they're underrated I had out back on my list, but it, it wasn't high on my list. I was just naming places that had, you know, the served bread. Sweet High um, has Outback number eight, and it's called Honey Wheat Bread, by the way. What do you think about Olive Garden's bread? Olive Garden's breadsticks, to me, are bomb. And they're number two on Sweet High's list. But I will tell you, I heard recently that Outback, or sorry, Olive Garden has changed their breadsticks, and they're not as good as they used to be. Okay, so so Olive Garden's not your number one either. Olive Garden's not my number one, but they're right. my sweet high as number two. Because we already know we both got the same number we one. got the same number one, same, I'm sure of it. Because it's hands down. It's hands. It's the Tom Brady. Don't play. Drop Undisputed. It Drop it on them. Them Cheddar Bay Biscuits and Red Lobster. 
Undoubtedly not. Unmistakably. It's so funny. We have not talked about this, discussed this ever. At all. But it's just, it is what it is. Real those biscuits are like crack. And if you're telling me I got to wait to eat those biscuits, you are out of your mind. I'll leave you before I leave them biscuits is what I'm telling my date. I'm telling you right now. I will leave you before I leave them biscuits. Them cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster. If you haven't had them, go get them. And you know what? Eat them immediately. Don't be listening to nobody. They bring the bread out, offer them to, to whoever else is at the table first, then dig in. Get to it. Rat me, boys! Do you have cold floors in your home? It may be time to insulate your crawl space because cold air is rising into the rest of your home. Alfred Home Solutions can fix this problem. Call them today at 304-317-4105 today to book your free insulation estimate. Again, 304-317-4105. Don't wait. Insulate. That's right. We got five on it. The RVK is back for more action. This time it's Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate pit with Jeremy J and Fiend Phoenix in the building. We are talking about five questions that will have five answers or five fill in the blanks from the RVK from the Raspy Voice Kids. You are now joining the best. Here we go. Hello and welcome to another edition of I Got Five on it with the Raspy Voice Kids. Let's get things started with the first blank. Neil Brown being ranked as the seventh best coach in the Big 12 is blank. Preposterous. Oh, go ahead, Jay. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Preposterous. Go ahead. It's preposterous. They have Leopold from Kansas ranked ahead of Neil Brown. Makes no sense. So at the very least, he should be six. But I think he should be higher than that because of what he did with a with a pretty bare cupboard coming in in 2019. Then, and then having a young team in 2019 or 2020 with no practice, no spring practice, uh, or very few spring practices anyway, no summer, and then winning the games that he won the way that he did last year, ending on a high note with the Liberty Bowl, I think Neil Brown should be higher than seven. It's preposterous that they have him that low. I also went with a P word, uh, a word that had two P's in it, and my word was proportionate. I think he should be higher than that. But given that he's went five and seven, and then he went six and five last year, we're getting six better. And four, six and four. Six, excuse me, six, six and four last year. Yes, we're getting better, but I think it's proportionate. Put him about middle of the pack. He, I think Gary still said when he was on the show, and he, uh, he wasn't talking about Neil Brown. He was talking about coaches in general, but he said, don't give these coaches flowers before they've earned it. And it looks like Neil Brown's earning it. But as for the record, they, they always said, you're as good as your record is. And right now, it's moving in the right direction, and I have faith in the climb. But to give us, you know, give him middle of the pack coach, hey, that's proportionate for right now. I think that they're going to look like dummies on the back end. But for right now, it is what it is. Number two, the home run derby was blank. Spectacular. The home run derby was spectacular. Shohei Otani did not do what we wanted him to do ultimately, which is be in the championship at least. But he did put on a show while he was there. Even though he was eliminated, he made it go to extras. Best out of three. He put on a show, made it made it something that was spectacular. But more than anything else, um, what we got was people going at it. You got Mancini, a, a cancer survivor, 
Um, Troy Mancini, a cancer survivor, doing his thing, ultimately be- beating the odds. He has stage three colon cancer. To, and that's just, it's crazy to me. Stage three colon cancer, some people die from that. He doesn't die. He doesn't have to retire from the MLB. He comes back, and then he's in the home run derby, and he has a shot to win it, a legitimate shot. The only problem is he ran into a buzzsaw, the polar bear, from the New York Metropolitans, Pete Alonzo, representing Queens, even if they was raised out in Brooklyn. Pete Alonzo put on a show. It was spectacular. Head bobbing, dancing, doing his thing. People have the nerve to hate and complain. But overall, to me, the home run derby was spectacular. Home run derby to me was Metropolitan. That's right, Pete Alonzo, the Mets, the whole time, Shohei Hotani, Ota- oh, whatever you say his name, Shohei, oh, see, I yeah, messed it up. It right. I said, okay, well, I said it four times, and it was good, and then I said it out loud, and I messed it up. But the point is, he met the Rick Ross of baseball, the biggest boss that he's seen thus far, Pete Alonzo, back to back, back to back. That's what happened. Um, you know, we're Mets fans. I loved every second of it. Didn't watch a blink of it, but when I saw he won it again, I was proud. You didn't watch it? Not a swing. Home run derby is better than the slam dunk contest. It's better than the MLB all-star game. It's way better than the Pro Bowl. The, the, the home run derby is actually fun. I love it. It's what yeah. baseball should be. I mean, the home run derby, the dunk contest are all things that I will watch if I remember, and if I have nothing else going on, <laughs> you know, the, right. and by the way, the, the best all-star break in sport for me or, or the competition that they have, I love the NHL uh, uh, all-star game, uh, not all-star game, but competition where they're breaking the plates. Yeah. I, I think that's dope. I love that. Um, but everything else, I mean, it's all right. NBA all-star weekend is the goat of all all-star of all all-star games. Because they have everything and all the stars come out for it. It's the best. Okay. No, and you haven't watched one second of an NHL All-Star. I definitely have. You crazy. I definitely have. All right. Next question. Next question. Number three. Team USA losing two exhibition games is blank. Problematic. That word gets thrown around a lot, but it's problematic. The Team USA has lost two exhibition games for the first time since 1992 when they were since before 1992 when the dream team was assembled this team is not playing defense which is weird since they're playing for coach popovich but it's not as weird when you realize that popovich comes from the larry brown tree of coaching and larry brown did not have a lot of success coaching in the olympics so it's something to watch for there's not a lot of cohesion and it might be just a matter of not playing together that much Waiting on Devin Booker, waiting on Chris Middleton, and I think one other guy's coming up, coming up. We'll see if that makes a difference. But right now, Kevin Durant being the GOAT, uh, for those people who say he's the GOAT, they're out of their mind. This right here proves it, in my opinion. Kevin Durant being the best player in the world is not in question, but he's not the kind of leader that the GOATs in the past have been. And that's why Team I, USA is struggling, in my opinion. I actually love that point that you just made. Um, for me, my answer is not surprising. Now, I told a guy at work, you have to have yours on paper, and I got mine on paper, that I said this before. When the team was announced, I said this. Now I've read certain articles that reiterated everything I said two and three weeks ago when the, when the, uh, the roster was announced. I said to the guy at work, I said, they may win gold, but they're going to win their, they're gonna have to play their butts off to get there. And he said, why do you say that? I said, because as I look at this roster, I see all one-on-one uh, players. 
Everybody on the roster is a one-on-one basketball player. Yep. They have no real big men. They, they don't have a uh, uh, Rudy Gobert, you know, uh, down to block shots and defend. You know, Joel Embiid is, you know, plays for a, a, another country. But uh, Sabonis, another country. But uh, a Rudy Gobert, um, just somebody inside. Wait, does to Gobert play for the French team? I don't know. Maybe he does. But either way, we don't have a big man inside. Our, our guys uh, out of Bayou. Who's a, he's he's a, he's a big man, but he's not like a real strong, thick, big body big man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So then he comes out, and who else you got? Was you gonna play Kevin Durant there? Kevin Love there? We got nobody up, so we don't have any real big bigs playing for this team. That's the first thing I saw. The other thing I saw was we have no point guard. We got Dame. Uh, Brandon, yeah, we have we got we Dame have Lillard. Dame. We have Dame. We've other people. These are more shooting guards who control the ball. I don't see people making plays. I don't see somebody to be that. A Chris Paul, a a, a Darren Williams. Brandon, amen. A Chris Paul. uh, I mean, I know Luka's playing for somebody else, but Luka would be huge right now. They needed that gel point, that that somebody who can bring them together. Um, Anthony Davis is another big man that they don't have. Granted, he's injured. But they needed a guard, a Chauncey Billups, somebody who's going to to be the leader, like you said. Kevin Durant's not the leader. We need a leader at point guard to set the tone. We do not have a pure, true point guard. All we have are the best one-on-one basketball players in the world. Yep. Hey, and guess what? There's only one basketball. So from the get-go, I called this. So this is not surprising. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to win gold. I'm, I'm saying they're going to have to work their butts off to get there. Number four. TBT this weekend in Charleston, West Virginia will be blank. A movie is going to be dope. There's so many people who do West Virginia media who will be in Charleston to represent. So it's going to be a movie. We're going to get together with some of these people. We're going to hang out with some of these people. We're going to have so much fun watching the best Virginia do their thing. We're even going to get to watch her that do their thing. It's going to be a movie. It's going to be dope. It's going to be the debut of Jan Fiend's RVK chain. It's just going to be a movie. It's going to be so great. I cannot wait. Do your chain hang low. Yeah, for me, it's going to be fun. Very simple, easy words. It's going to be fun. I mean, it ain't no party till I walk in. And you know, RVK is going to be in the building, sitting close to courtside. You know, I'm going to do my thing. Uh, Beefy going to do his thing. It is going to be so much fun, and especially with uh, Best Virginia out there, with all them guys representing the Mountain State. And whether you want to believe it or not, Marshall's also from the Mountain State, West by God, Virginia. To see them down there doing their things on a very national level on ESPN, being able to watch and consume it, it is being broadcast from Charleston, West Virginia. It's time to show that hospitality and enjoy the weekend. Number five. Four WVU pitchers getting drafted in the 2021 MLB draft is blank. A sign. It is a sign of what this team is and could have been. Randy Mazie has basically a quarter of all the players ever drafted by from WVU drafted on his watch in just these few years that he's been here. It's a sign of things to come. We've had plenty of players drafted. Alec Manoa doing big things since Randy Mazie got here. This team is headed places. They're headed in the right direction. Randy Mazie is getting talent into Morgantown, and talent is how you win Talent in, talent out. He's doing his thing, developing players. I love it. I can't wait. It's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I think it's indicative. 
It's indicative of what Maisie has done in Morgantown, what he's building. They were talking about how many years I saw. I can't remember who put out an article somewhere on Twitter about how many players have been drafted from the WVU um, catalog for the uh, WVU um, uh, from from WVU. And how Maisie has the majority, the vast majority of players have been drafted for WVU baseball. Who's been playing, I think, over 100 years. Most of those drafted have come from Maisie. And he's only been here a short time, so it's indicative of what he's building and what's going on in Morgantown. From the new stadium to us playing uh, games that actually matter, once again, it's indicative of what's going on in Morgantown in the baseball world. So there you have it. The Raspy Voice Kids got five on it. Get at your boys, holla at us, pay attention to the next segments as we go. Raspy Voice! It is Jeremy J.N. Fiend Phoenix. I'm here with my brother Brandon Phoenix. I also hate Pitt in the building, the booth. And we're about to get this round up on everything West Virginia. Actually, we, we spill outside the booth. So we're going to talk about everything being everything. But don't forget, at the end of the segment, we will announce the winner. The winner in this random drawing who will be sitting with J.N. Fiend. And I also hate Pitt this weekend at the TBT in Charleston, West Virginia, to watch her that and Best Virginia. So stick around for it. But right now, let's kick it off, man. Brandon, let's talk about the thing that, that just went down. Actually, we just got done watching it. Um, this show comes out on Thursday, but me and you just got, got done watching Media Day. Big 12 Media Day. What you think about it, Brandon? Well, first of all, let me say that I have no interest in Media Day typically. Like, I, I was talking to our friend about this. I was talking to you about this. I was like, man, forget Media Day. Who really cares? Social media has made it irrelevant because he's, we hear about recruiting. We see about development, players making statements, coaches making statements all through the offseason. So what do we really need Media Day for? But 100%. Was, no, no, no. 100%. And I kept going on and on and on saying this is so stupid. I can answer every question. Let me be the coach of any school – that's there for media day for the big 12 and I'll answer. I'll give the answers that they're going to give because they're generic. This is the dumbest thing I've ever, you know, listened to ever. And right after we listened to it, Brandon, oh my goodness, could we not have been more wrong? I called Jeremy immediately and said I was completely wrong. And Jeremy said the same thing. Like we both were laughing because we couldn't believe how wrong we were and how wrong we had gotten it when it comes to media day, because Neil Brown kept it a thousand percent real. A thousand percent real. My, you know, my favorite thing about Neil Brown was during his press conference or not press conference during his, uh, interview with ESPN. What was it? His edginess. I saw somebody else say that Neil Brown had some chippiness to his responses and like his answers to questions. And that's what I sensed too. I picked up on his edginess the same way. He seems to have a chip on his shoulder and I love it. Whereas Dana was here before, Dana seemed to not really care about anything ever, it seemed like. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very easygoing, very laid back. Neil Brown just seemed chippy. And, like, he didn't really want to be there, even though he understood the importance of being there. Like, he just wants to get out there and play games. I loved that. I loved I felt like I it. felt like he wanted to be there. I felt, but I felt like he went in there with the chippiness. I have a message to say. Hey, he all, I think he wanted to say, what, get ready for West Virginia. This ain't, this ain't the same team you beat at the end of games like you did last year. Y'all want to talk? We'll see you on the field. 
That's what he wanted to say. But he did. Well, it's interesting that you said that, you know, this is not a team that you could beat at the end of games like last year. We lost, according to Neil Brown, three games within the last three minutes last year. Did you realize that? No, I knew we we can't. We had a couple of close games down down the end, but um, I, I didn't realize it was you know three games total. It doesn't surprise me though. I knew I knew there was a few games that were real close at the very very end. It it surprised me a little bit. The difference between six and four and nine and one was right there, right there. I just, I just love how real he was, Brandon. You know, sometimes when you haven't talked to somebody for a while that you consider a friend, that you talk to them. And all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I forgot, you know, I forgot how much I cared about him. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what happened to me again. It's like, I almost forgot how much, how refreshing Neil is. He's, and he's refreshing from the aspect of he's so real. Like when he talks, I don't feel like he's bullcrapping me. I don't feel like he's giving me the, the cliche answer. Even they said that they said, you know, we thought you're going to take pretty much the easy way out on these answers, but no, you gave us real answers. But not just giving real answers. He was just completely genuine about it. I now forgot see, how much I love Neil Brown until you hear him sometimes, you know? See, that's what I want to ask you about, though. Because I said he kept it real, too. And I felt like he did for the most part. But he said one thing that really jumped out at me immediately as what I would call a false statement. Or a, not a false statement, because it's, it's true, it's accurate, but it's not honest. And that is, he said that there, that the players that left in the secondary didn't play in the bowl game. He's like, so we're already used to playing without them. And I felt immediately like that was just, that was like what he's telling the people in the room, what he's telling his players and staff so that they feel better about losing Tyke Smith, Drayshawn Miller, and who else did we lose? Uh, Stills, Tony no. Fields. Jeffrey Pooler, but I, there's somebody else in the secondary, I thought. I could be wrong. But anyway, he says they didn't play in the bowl game. But do you know what I think about that, Jeremy? What? We played Army in the bowl game. Army doesn't throw the ball, so that number one yeah, pass true. defense didn't get tested. That's so true. I mean, that's a good point. I didn't so, think about that, but that's a good point. Yeah, that's what I thought right away. I thought, that's, that doesn't, that's not really, it's not like you played Oklahoma without those guys, and you came out victorious and played well. You played those, you played without those guys in a game that largely didn't matter against an inferior opponent who didn't throw the ball. Very one dimensional. So to but I think, I, but the truth is maybe I feel like maybe he's saying these things because that's the way he feels. I, I think what he wanted to say is we'll be fine without these guys. They're yeah, good players. I know he's saying that, but be I don't fine. believe it. We're going to take a step back. We lost our best player in Darius Stills and Tony Fields. Whichever one you want to say was the best last year, you can argue that. That's fine. Because I feel like either one of those guys could be argued as the best. We lost our best player in the secondary in Tyke Smith. We lost our best corner, Drayshawn Miller. Sorry. But we got, but, but we got, we got two great safeties coming back, Adai and Mahomes, who's been there. We got Scotty Young, who everybody's saying is great. Nick Fortune comes back. And if one of these Juco guys could come up and play solid, solid corner on the other end, Maybe he's right. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much we'll miss them. We're going to miss them because these are big-time talents. Yeah, I was about to but, say, you don't lose the best player in the nation in Tyke Smith at his but position. I think, I think what Neil Brown's saying is I'm confident we're going to be fine. And that, that, I felt it. That's I definitely what it. he's saying. I just don't know if it's realistic. He also said, said some other good things. Zach Frazier talking about being the leader. Imagine, he's coming in. What is he, a sophomore? He's a sophomore, a true sophomore. And he goes from guard to center, and he's talking about how he's the leader on the line. Do you and know what also, I took out of that? What? He said that he was like, now mind you, Zach Frazier was a true freshman last year. He didn't graduate early. He didn't have a summer because of COVID. 
And then he went out and started nine of 10 games. That's impressive. Yeah. Is that what you took out of it? Yeah, that, that, I never even thought about that. So here you get a guy now who's got a full spring with it, with the team. He gets a full summer with the team. He'll have fall camp with the team. And, and he was and, already, and he's already being looked at as a leader. And as a whole, that's one big thing that he said that I liked. He said, we've never had experience in, uh, in the line since I've been here. And now we have the same left tackle, left guard coming back. Zach Frazier going to center. New right tackle in, um, uh, the guy who came over from, from uh, VT. Doug um, Nestor. Doug Nestor. He's like, this is the first time we've had a cohesive offensive line who's pretty much coming back. That's huge because games are won and lost in the trenches. The other thing that he was talking about was um, he said elite players. Now, I know Dante's elite. Mesidor had a nice season, and I thought, man, maybe he can you know, have this jump up year two. You know, you never know. When, when Neil Brown says elite, speaking of Mesidor, lets me know that this wasn't a flash in the pan. This wasn't, you know, just one year being motivated or playing off of Dante and Darius. No, this kid really is elite. Now, I thought, because sometimes when you do things just one year, you don't know how to gauge it sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah. The fact that Neil Brown used him and elite in the same sentence, if he can really be elite like that, it's going to be nice. Now, you're talking about the younger kids having to step up to fill some holes, give us some depth. But you, but to call Akeem Mesidor and Dante Stills both elite, I love. I thought it was interesting. He said that offensive. He said defensively, we're where we need to be. Offensively, we need to take a step up. And he mentioned two specific areas. He said we need to be better on third down and explosively. And both of those things, to me, go back to who the who what the receivers do. Yep. A lot of drop balls that would have been first downs on third downs. A lot of drop balls that would have been big plays that would count as explosive, that would have counted as explosive plays. The receivers are going to have to step up. And I think they know that. What I'm curious about is will the pressure get to them knowing that all eyes are on them? They have the physical attributes, the talent, the speed, the size between Bryce Ford Wheaton, Sam James, uh, Winston Wright. Um, these guys have what you would look for in a prototype receiving core. But will they be able to put it together and catch the ball? That's the Sean Ryan. Issue. That's what I was, you were saying. To go through the names, I'm thinking, what's that? A Sean Ryan. That's what I was thinking of. Yep. Here's there, there were two things that I also thought was huge that he mentioned. One of them I'd like to believe is true. <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say. I would like to believe is true, and I like I said, I feel like he's authentic and he's real. Um, he, the first one, right. the first one is he was talking about Deggy. Yep. That's what I was thinking you were going to say. And he said he was the most improved. Most improved? If Deggie's the most improved player on offense, Brandon, to, in my estimation, Deggie was a solid quarterback as it was. Good, solid to good quarterback as it was. If he's the most improved, that means he's re- pretty good or really good. Brandon, oh, I mean, the sky's the limit. He talked about how his deep ball was a lot better. I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe this is because, you know, practice, you know, we talk about practice, not the game. We talk about practice. So right now we talk about practice. But if it comes to fruition where he really was the most improved, when it, if it comes to fruition that he really can throw the deep ball, the Big 12 is in trouble. I'm, call, I'm telling you right now they're in trouble. 
Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on that 100%. They said pocket presence is better. The deep ball is better. Deggy overall, the most improved player through the spring. I want that to be true because it needs to be true. That said, if the receivers don't catch the ball, it doesn't really matter what Deggy does. But the other thing I thought was interesting when they asked him about offensive players and they mentioned Deggy being the most improved player, he said he, he mentioned without being prompted Garrett Green and said he's going to be a player at that position. What does that mean, Jeremy? What in the world does that mean? That's what I thought right away. I was like, what is he talking about? Like, <laughs> nobody, nobody asked about Garrett Green. Nobody asked about the backups, period. But he mentioned Garrett Green said he's going to be a player at that position. It made me wonder if they have wrinkles in the game plan for Garrett Green to be a part of this offense. Is it a wildcat thing? I don't know. I don't know. But it just, it just got my mind wandering. Like, what's, what's really going on? What does this really mean? Um, he felt very confident in the things that he was saying. I know you have to come off that way. And by the way, I can see why recruits love him, Brandon. You can see, listen yeah, to him for four seconds. Confidence, sincerity. Brandon, and I, and I hate, I hate to, I hate to tread on people and I'm not trying to tread on people. But if Dana Hogerson and Neil Brown both were recruiting you sitting in your living room, I can see why people would take Neil Brown at face value and dismiss the other one. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, you know, I'm not hating on Rich Rod. I'm just saying like they had a different feel than Neil Brown. When Neil Brown talks, he just feels like he's being real. He just feels like he's being genuine, you know? The difference I will say is that Dana could say he was going to put you in the NFL because he did. He put he put receivers in the NFL. Uh, even if they didn't play, they, they got there. Rich Rod could tell you they were going to win because Rich Rod won. Neil Brown hasn't done much of either yet. I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying he doesn't have that on his resume as far as recruiting is concerned. But if you're having a conversation, if I'm entrusting my child to a man, Neil Brown's the guy over those two without question. So that was the first thing I mentioned that 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 uh, was one of the most important things that he said. And I mind you, I want everybody to remember that I came into this. I know I've seen plenty of media days, but I just feel like you get nothing from him. I feel like it's so overrated. That's why this is so hilarious, because he actually dropped bombs. He actually made me feel something. This is why I love Neil Brown. This, I was completely wrong. Brandon was completely wrong. Not to throw somebody else up in there. But um, the, the second thing he said was huge, because we have talked about it, and we have came to our stance on it, um, for good or bad, the NIL is here. The national uh, the image and likeness is Name, here. Name, image, and likeness. Oh, my bad. Um, it's here. And you give, we've given the two cents. Whether you like it or love it, you have to deal with it. And you know what Neil Brown said, Brandon? I heard him. The exact same thing. He said you have to continue to adapt. Every so often, these things change, so you have to stay fluid with it. You have to adapt to it. You have to navigate it. And you know what? The way he said it, he didn't sound like he was begrudging when he, you know, begrudgingly saying it. He didn't sound like he was like, well, well, we got to do. I mean, it's here. No, no, no. He made one specific statement. He says, uh, we have to learn to navigate it better than anybody else. He didn't say we have to learn to navigate it. He said we have to learn to navigate it better than anyone else that edge coming out again because he wants to be the best he wants to handle it the best he wants to put his kids in the best position and this right here is more competition you could tell he's a competitive guy so when it comes to this it's not begrudging he's not going old head he's all right we're going to figure this out we're going to figure out the best way um better than anybody else figures out how to deal with it and i love it yeah me too Uh, i like you're right i fell in love with neil brown all over again 
Uh, <laughs> what's that song? Little moments like that by Bright Bright Paisley. Oh yeah. When she steals my heart again and doesn't even know it. <laughs> Neil just got me, man. He stole my heart again, didn't even know it. But that's what it is. Oh, you know what? I do have a question for you. What do you got? So, do you think that, do you read anything into the fact that Letty Brown was picked to go to Big 12 Media Day to talk and be the representative of the West Virginia offense at Big 12 Media Day instead of the star quarterback or at least the starting quarterback, Jared Deggie? I think starting quarterback is much more accurate than star quarterback. I think Letty Brown was first team all Big 12 last year. Uh, so he's returning as a first team all Big 12 member. Um, and he's a senior, whereas Jared Daggy technically is a junior. So you take two seniors, you take a first team all Big 12 member. I think it makes sense to have Letty Brown there instead of Jared Daggy. Okay. I was just thinking about that. I saw him on there and I made me think, you know, is this a thing or is this not a thing? Is this a like an indictment on being a leader of the offense? Nah, I, think, not I, there? I think you're looking or, too deep into it. Or is this giving just showing Letty his flowers for being the best player on offense and one of the best running backs in the Big 12? I think it's more that than anything else. Okay. Okay. You know, I, hey, these questions just need to ask, you know? What else are um, we talking about in the roundup? Well, here's the other thing. So Bob Herzl, he wrote an article. I'm gonna give him props. You know, I think we might want to have him on the show sometime because he's got a lot of he's got a lot of years covering WVU. That might be fun. Yeah, yeah, that would, I would love to do that. So, so he talked about the embarrassment of riches at quarterback at West Virginia. And I didn't read the article, but I read. The, I read this <laughs> but I just thought about it. I was like, "What embarrassment of riches?" I know, I know, I know. We got uh, Goose Crowder. Uh, first of all, we got Deggy. Then we have Garrett Green. Now we got Goose Crowder. Now we got uh, Nicole. How do you pronounce the name? Nico Marchio. Nico Marchio. So it sounds like we're getting good quarterbacks in here, um, in to have a good quarterback room. But because none of them are produced on the field yet, you can't call it embarrassment of riches. You know, this, this is not press Virginia. There's not six guards out there have proven themselves by pressing, by all of them being interchangeable. These guys, you know, we're building up, and I like to see that we're building up, you know, this kind of talent. But don't forget, I mean, Crest, Virginia, Will, Will Crest was a four-star. You know, Four Children's uh, was a four-star. Four Children's was a four-star. So I thought it was a little bit early to call it an embarrassment of riches at quarterback. Now, here's the truth. He could have been talking about anything else because I didn't read the article. I just read that. I just read that heading and I thought, do you agree with that, Brandon? Embarrassment no, of riches. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Like, I would not call it that at all. Jared Dagan to me is a mediocre quarterback. He's going to have to prove a lot to me for me to feel differently. And I feel like if receivers caught some balls, maybe I would have a different perspective. But so far, I don't have that. Um, so he's got a lot to prove to me. He got pulled during the Liberty Bowl. The last time we saw him, he didn't, he got benched. Talking about yeah. an embarrassment of riches, he got benched for a guy who left us for Louisiana Tech. So I, I wouldn't call it an embarrassment of riches even close to that. Nothing even close to that. Yet, yet, maybe we'll look back and maybe it'll be, you know, Jalen Hurts and Tua and, and, uh, yeah, 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 maybe. And, and, uh, <laughs> oh, man, what's his name? Mac, From, Mac, uh, Mac, Mac Jones. Jones. Yeah. Maybe we'll look back and we'll be like, oh, look at that picture. Look at all those stars. Possible, but I'm going to wait. I'm gonna, I can't call it. I can't call it right now. Not yet. The other thing I want to do, I want to give a shout out. Her name is Amy Cash, and she was a WVU runner. And guess what, Brandon? She's in the Olympics. She's going to Tokyo. She's going to Tokyo. So shout out to Amy Cash, a former Mountaineer. No, 
uh, always a mountaineer, once a mountaineer, always a mountaineer. So big ups to her. She qualified for the Tokyo Olympics. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about, Brandon, did you hear Shannon Sharp? No. Did you hear Shannon Sharp say Kobe's not top five? I'm okay with people saying Kobe's not top five. And the reason why he was arguing Kobe's not top five, he said, because if you look at him, MVPs, real MVP, a real top five people win more than one MVP. Now, needless to say, everybody killed him on every single platform for making this idiotic statement and saying that he just said something controversial so he could get, you know, attention like people like that do sometimes. My thing is, I just made me mad because you, first of all, all right, you don't think he's top five, but the reason why he's not top five is you're going to reference MVPs. Now that is a bogus argument to me. Don't you ever come at me with something that's subjective. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. MVP is subjective. Uh, Steve Nass. And 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 uh, Dirk Nowitzki both won an MVP before Kobe did. You think they were even close to the player that Kobe was? One year when Steve Nash won it, uh, the MVP, Kobe was all defensive team, and he led the NBA in scoring, which means he had the best defense and the best offense. So what are you talking about? Now, granted, Kobe had some hiccups in his in his career off the court, and that moved the NBA to quit promoting him so much understandably so but don't sit here and give me something that's subjective and say that's the reason why somebody's not uh, think about it andre Iguodala won the mvp of the finals when lebron james averaged like 35 points a game you know what yeah, I mean? no this, this, i my thing so i'm with you i don't like the subjective measurement of an mvp to decide somebody's greatness i'm with you on that i will say however i'm with shannon sharp in this regard I feel like Kobe's greatness has inflated since his death. I I, I don't agree. I, I think I think the way I feel like, like him has been inflated. But I think that everybody everybody has always said if Jordan's the original, Kobe's a remix. Even while he was still alive, the dude has five rings. He's been to seven championships and won five of them. Um, his stats. He did it with two totally different teams. And and let's not even bring up the fact of you want count rings. He had probably three stolen from him when David Stern decided Chris Paul couldn't be traded there, but that's a different story. He still ended up with five. You don't think Kobe's greatness has been inflated since he died? Oh, I, I you know what? I, I agree. I agree with what you say. A little bit it has, but I think even Because there are people died, who call him the GOAT now. But even before he passed, people were putting him in the top five. Yeah, I, I'm okay with people who put him in the top five, but I'm also okay with people who take him out of the top five. I'm not okay if you say he's not top ten. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the other but, thing, I, go ahead. Do you have something else? To say? No, I, I'm saying I can see both sides. The other thing I want to talk about, oh, we kind of, we talked about it on, I got five on it. Talk about team USA. And I, you know, I kind of went a little in depth. I should have just waited till now, but they're going to work their butts off to win the gold. Um, I did see something the well, other I, day when Shaq said, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you were saying they got to work their butts off. I think that's a product of where the world is now. Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. We mentioned so many players that would help this team that are in the NBA that are not Americans. Oh, yeah. And they talk about the original Dream Team, and the original te- Dream Team won every game by 70 points. That's just because that's just the rest of the world was garbage at basketball. Exactly. They Popovich, were amazing, plus the rest of the world were, was extreme garbage, hot garbage at that time. Yep. No NBA experience. because no. I mean, 25% of the players in the NBA are foreign players now. It's a different world. It's a completely different world than what it was back then. And like somebody said, you can thank Jordan and the Dream Team for exporting the game to the rest of the world, so now they've caught up. And it's a national embarrassment for the team to lose like they have, but 
let's not get it twisted. The NBA is still the, the NBA is still the premier league. The Americans are still the best in the world when they have their best players out there. Like you said, Anthony Davis not being there, that's a huge difference. Because Anthony Davis is a two-way player. He's a defensive monster. He's an offensive monster. He can play inside out. He does it all. And he's not playing. So I think we need to be cool our jets on what we really think is happening with this team until, you know, everything goes full circle. Amen. I got one more thing I wanted to say. Um, and uh, You said something about Shaq. Now nah, I'm gonna let that one go because I don't I don't have the uh, the whole quote. Sha- yeah, Shaq Shaq said that the the not the redeem team, but there was pretty much a second um, dream team was better than that original dream team. Which you know the second one had you know David Robinson and Shaq and Charles Barkley um, and a lot of other great players, and he said that they would have beat the Michael Jordan's dream team. But once again, I need to I need to look to see who's all in it. So we'll bring it up on a different show. The one thing I wanted I did want to say is there the ESPYS were on. I think it was last week. And for the best female athlete, do you know who won the best female athlete? If it wasn't Simone Biles, it's a cheat. I don't care. That's my exact feelings. The winner was Naomi Osaka. Oh, okay. I love Naomi Osaka, but please stop. Simone Biles. Please stop. Man. I understand what's going on. I understand she's great. I understand she has some big upsets. I'm, I understand she snatched, you know, the number one seed and the best player in women's tennis away from the hands of, you know, other players and Serena Williams and all that good stuff. But don't you ever say anybody's a better athlete ever than Simone Biles. Simone Biles. That includes is men. Better than, no, Simone Biles is better than Michael Jordan. At what she does compared to what he does. Think about it. Simone Biles is doing things so complicated. They're taking points off because they said it would be um, it would be safety concerns for other athletes to try to do it. When have you ever heard that? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. And yet she's still winning. Simone Biles better than Michael Jordan. He's better. She's better than Tom Brady. She's better than Wayne Gretzky. She's better than Messi, Pele, whoever else you want to the name. Simone Biles is the greatest athlete of all time. And for my money, it is not close. I'm with you. 100%. I'm with you. 100%. That's what I'm saying. These subjective awards, who cares about them? I mean, you care about them if you get them, great. But don't try to judge anything off of subjective awards. But that's all I got, man. We had a nice little wrap up. So you got anything else? Nah, like all I want to say is from now on, just call Simone Biles nanny. Nanny. Nanny goat, son. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Who's who's the one giving the nicknames now? <laughs> but she deserves it. So it's not, it's not like that, swagger. Okay. Let's not get into that. Oh my God. <laughs> instant shame. Instant shame. <laughs> instant shame. I had to go there. We had a good show. Everybody's feeling good. Leave it on a high note. <laughs> <laughs> and only four people will get that reference in the history Ooh. of the world. Ooh, it doesn't matter. That's three too many. Whew. Anyway, the moment has come to announce it, Brandon. Yeah. The moment has come to make that announcement. Who's going to rock with the RVK in Charleston, West Virginia? The winner. Raymond Boggess, a.k.a. Ray Del Mundo. Ray, you are joining the RVK in Charleston, sitting four rows back at TBT to watch Heard That in Best Virginia. Congratulations, Ray. Congratulations. (sighs) 
Big shout outs. We'll get at them. Let them know. Listen to find out tomorrow. Actually, this is come out tomorrow. You're going to listen. You already found out. That's all. That, you know, that's what it is. We wrap it up right there. Can't wait for TBT. Get at us. Sports Social Podcast Network.